0: Bam Radio Network. But you said there was a time when you made all of your students code the exact same thing. Did you have kids rebel and just
1: say, you know what, coding sucks, I'm not going to do this? Initially, it was a fight. Initially, it was my way or the highway. John Harper here.
0: Welcome to My Bad, the show about how and what extraordinary educators learn from sharing their own mistakes. Welcome to the show, Brian. I have recently read a piece of yours and I was intrigued. By a lot, you had to say about making, but one quote in particular got my attention. And in it, you were quoting a guy named Steve. I can't pronounce his last name. Steve Hoggardens. In it, you said, "In education, we largely use the language of empowerment, but actions of control." Why did that resonate with you?
1: Uh, that comment <laughs> resonated with me because we we talk a lot in education about em- empowering students, empowering teachers, and empowering administrators. So all levels of a district um, and empowerment. But then it's almost a catch-22 because we're so, you know, we're so structured by some of the rules and the regulations that we have in place that people feel the compliance sort of model of education is an easier uh, area to gravitate to. I mean, that's sort of how education has been built from a traditional uh, standpoint, right? And the pedagogy of, of letting go, and I don't mean like giving up control of your classroom. But the notion of letting go of the, the direction of learning, so to speak, and allowing kids to sort of self-direct and explore their own passions is, is very challenging, especially when, we, when it comes to the assessment and the evaluation of those open-ended projects and spaces where kids are following their own passions and, and you know curious about their own learning. First of all, i
0: got to say, you have done something that is on my bucket list three times. You have given three TEDx talks, and i got to say kudos for that. And I was looking at your last one, and you, know, you said you're on a mission, and I know how passionate you are about coding. And as you know, this show is about sharing big mistakes. So my, my question to you is, what's a big mistake that you've made in this area of coding that's your passion that you feel comfortable sharing with us today?
1: It was the notion of pedagogy. It it took me a while to understand that it's not about technology first and foremost, and it's not about me having to understand technology through and through. It's about me understanding my curriculum. And there was a time in my career where I was so passionate about coding, not that I'm less passionate today, but so passionate about it that I was forcing kids in my class to all sort of code the same activity. So back to almost our first question, I was under this compliant model where i was telling kids what to code and how to code it and when i reflect on it i was really limiting the creative process i was limiting the design thinking um and i was limiting their own creative control over the application i i had an idea of what the application the games should look like and i wanted every kid to code the same game because i wanted the outputs to all be the same nothing really changed from a traditional to a more progressive uh, lens, I guess, in my classroom. I was coding, but you know, we could have been doing textbook work or a worksheet. You know, the delivery was exactly the same.
0: So what caused you to change? I mean, when when did you wake up and realize, you know, I got to stop doing
1: this. I got to give some choice in the math. Uh, to be honest, I think I just woke up one day and realized that grades and the notion of evaluation is contradictory to what we want to do with personalized student-centered instruction. I mean, if we truly believe all kids can achieve. Then perhaps grades needs to be that fluctuating sort of variable, and uh, sorry, grades needs to be the constant, if you will, and time needs to be that floating variable. And I realize that we send kids into specific academic streams as they get older to make them successful when they're following their passions. So why is it that I have to evaluate kids the same way? Why is an A to little Johnny the same as an A to little Jenny, or can those grades actually mean something different to each? each child. And when you start letting go of the notion of grades and, and that piece, uh, it's a lot easier to jump into the sandbox of, of a makerspace and offer these open-ended environments. You're not worried about filling a markbook anymore because you're focusing so much on your anecdotal piece. You're having observations, uh, conversations with kids, as well as the products that they're coming up with.
0: So, Brian, what you just described sounds awesome. I mean, I'd love to be in that class. But you said there was a time when you made all of your students code the exact same thing. Did you have kids rebel and just say, you know what? Coding sucks. I'm not gonna do this. No way.
1: Absolutely. How did you turn
0: some of those kids? How did you handle that?
1: Well initially it was a fight. Initially it was my way or the highway. And that was where my pedagogy began to shift. You know, I thought everybody's going to code, everybody's going to love coding, everybody's going to want to, to try coding. You know, I could say the same about myself. <laughs> In, in a drama and dance classroom, you know, that's not my most comfortable level, and, and I would put my guard up and sort of shut down if I were told I had to do something in that sort of environment that pushed me out of my own comfort level. So early on, you know, the compliance model of education and forcing all kids to code these same activities, it did become a fight. I mean, coding is not for everybody, and that's sort of where I've shifted to today. My, my goal for today is to expose as many kids to coding and computer science to help fill the skills gap that we have. But it's totally up to them if they want to pursue it as a career or if they want to follow it as a passion. It's just my job to expose it. Was, was there
0: a kid who, because you were so rigid, hated it? And then once you, once you gave some slack, once you eased up a little bit, when all of a sudden realized, you know what, coding is okay. But at first, you know, I thought coding sucked. But now you've given me this freedom and you saw, you saw an individual kid just become passionate about it, who wasn't in the beginning.
1: Yeah, okay. I had a student uh, a few years back that he he found coding incredibly challenging, right? And so because of that notion, I uh, wanted to quit. And I saw the determination, uh, you know, the growth mindset, the grit in this student. So I encouraged him to keep going and to keep trying and to sort of explore it on his own. And a, a few months later, he had actually approached me and said, you know what? It's not so bad. I've been been doing it at home outside of the classroom setting. And that's where I first realized that, you know, these kids are going to learn about something they're interested in on their own, right, outside of that compliant environment. So this student actually started to pursue coding as, uh, you know, a passion project on their own outside of school and actually came back to me and said, I've got a great idea on how to code a simulator that will help you teach probability. We had just done a probability math lesson at school involving flipping a coin, and the students had to record whether they got heads or tails, right, into a T-chart. And he said... I can develop this. I can build this thing as a simulator. And I can then come in and show you and demonstrate to the class that I know what the law of large numbers is. And I know that experimental probability will get closer to theoretical probability the more times I run the simulator. And I think I can pull this off. And that was a risk. This student took a risk and asked if they could pursue this activity, you know, in class. And so I said, yeah, absolutely. And we almost come full circle in the sense that in the beginning, I was forcing the notion of everyone will code. And in the end, he ended up coming back and asking if he could do it as a passion project. And when you think about it from a pedagogy standpoint, I went from compliance to letting go. And at the end of the day, the student still coded the app which was my ultimate goal right from the beginning. So that was a huge win for me. And I do love to tell that story and to share his, his app.
0: Yeah, and obviously if you hadn't eased up a little bit or you hadn't given him some freedom, then he wouldn't have taken his passion. And that, I, I see that with my own kids. I see that with my daughter who's 11. You know, sometimes when she comes home and she's looking up history on her own or her big passion right now is cooking and she'll try crazy stuff in the kitchen. And it's oftentimes I just want to stop her. And she'll be in the grocery store, and she'll want to buy every single thing in the grocery store because she wants to try something out. And I want to say no, but then I realize when I limit that, you know, it's it's hard. There is a balance as a parent with that, and I know that's a crazy comparison. But I see that sometimes where she'll go in the kitchen and she'll try anything. But if I say no, you got to buy the box cake mix, and you got to buy this icing, and you got to buy these sprinkles. Well, then they're all the creativity. Then it's
1: not fun anymore. Exactly. We went. When you approach coding from a procedural perspective, you remove any opportunity for critical thinking. So in the closing
0: minute, what would you advise someone who is right now, I'm sure there's listeners who are working with kids. They're trying to get kids excited about coding and they're having a hard time right now with it. What would you tell them? What are some tips you could give them?
1: The best piece of advice I can give is to, introduce students to the notion of coding and computer science using a lot of those hour of code tutorials, you know, to get them comfortable with what block coding is capable of. But ultimately, we want to move kids into that sandbox where they can use block code to create content. And it really is about them exploring their passions. The athletes in the classroom might code a scenario basketball play on the court. The dancers in the classroom might code a, a dance sequence, right? it could be the mathematicians in the classroom might want to code a sorting algorithm the notion is to expose coding as a tool uh, and computational thinking as a skill for the 21st century but then uh, allowing kids to take risks and explore their own passions in that block-based coding sandbox
0: yeah man i think you said it perfectly when you explained the story about that kid i mean once you get a kid to do something when they're at home i mean that's a victory right there
1: that's, that's, that's a win. without a doubt a
0: victory and that ha- that had to feel good
1: That was a a wonderful feeling, that pursuing homework, and that's about pedagogy there too, right? He was still doing homework, but I wasn't assigning it.
0: Well, Brian, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. Thanks for checking out My Bad today. Hope it was as good for you as it was for me. And if it wasn't, my bad. Catch you next time. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.